0: Hello there, I'm Nick Brownlee, and this is the Cumbria Business Podcast. Yes, thanks for joining us on the Cumbria Business Podcast. If you haven't listened before, where have you been, man? This week, among other things, we're going to be talking about two things closest to my own heart as a former Fleet Street hack, namely newspapers and hard liquor. And to help me get through the next half hour or so, I'm delighted to welcome two guests, who I have no doubt will provide expert analysis and opinion on both subjects and more. Nick Turner spent the best part of 25 years at the coalface of local newspapers in Cumbria, reporting, editing and latterly becoming digital strategy manager with what was then CN Group, In 2018, he co-founded Intro, a PR agency specialising in social media campaigns and online content. Based in Carlisle, Intro counts the likes of the Cumberland Building Society and Stagecoach among its clients. Nick, thanks for joining us on the Cumbria Business Podcast. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Good. Now, listen, be honest with me here. When you were on the news desk at the News & Star and the Cumberland News back in the day, what what was your opinion of PR people? (laughs)
1: <laughs> we used to call it the dark side. If somebody, somebody, somebody left the office to go to join PR, we had a pretty low opinion of it. We'd say, they're off to join the dark side. <laughs> and now here I am on the dark side.
0: Were there many PR people around in, in, in those days in Cumbria? Uh, not so much
1: as PR agencies, but uh, you'd quite often get uh, PR agencies ringing up from other parts of the country um quite often mistaken about where Cumbria was uh you know asking you if you'd got their press release and then it turned out it was about Wales because it mixed up <laughs> Cumbria with Cumru or something like that uh but uh all the, all the big organizations the County Council or uh, United Utilities all those kind of people have their press offices that's not much has changed on that front.
0: Yeah, and, and you mentioned it was called The Dark Side and, and you turned to The Dark Side. Um, tell me about Intro. How did, how did that come about? How did you get that off the ground?
1: Uh, it took a little while to find my feet. Uh, as people have noticed, local newspapers have gone through a lot of changes in uh, recent years. Uh, effectively, I was turfed out of the nest uh, as part of a redundancy programme, so I had to work out what to do next. Uh, had a few kind of false starts, drifted about, did a few kind of bit of work for ITV, uh, a border shifting in their office uh, and then teamed up with uh, my business partner, Helen State. And we kind of brought together the sort of proposition of what intro was um, and have kind of grown quite rapidly since then. I think we've got staff of 10
0: uh uh, at, at the moment Yeah, I, I, I saw a recent picture it was, it was like Top of the Pops you standing in front of all these uh, all these bright young things um, You're based in Carlisle um, presumably um, you've got your core staff in the office and the rest are, are sort of scattered around in normal times I guess, is that how it works?
1: Uh, yeah uh, we've uh, kind of swum against the tide a bit uh, we've managed to open an office in the middle of uh, in between two lockdowns um, and on Paternoster no, Row right next to the cathedral. Uh, great spot for a business. And it does help, I think, being in the city centre, even that kind of basics of popping out for a sandwich at lunchtime. You bump into people. You you know, you make contact. You know, Carlisle's effectively a village, isn't it? So yeah. it's good to be uh, bobbing about there. Uh, we've got enough room in the building to have our staff and a few kind of people working South Cumbria and uh, uh, some people from other businesses as well. Uh,
0: and this is a question which, unfortunately, I've, I've been having to ask everybody who's come on. How, how are you How are you dealing with the lockdown? I mean, presumably you can't go into the office.
1: No, we had a brief exciting period in December in which we had a pop-up shop downstairs and all this kind of stuff, and it, it was buzzing. Uh, and then, obviously... That's now just a bit of a distant memory, so everything's on hold. We've all been working around the kitchen tables. We have conference calls by video twice a day and all that kind of stuff to try and keep the team ethic together, but it is hard. I, I do miss being in the office and, you know, the crack and a bit of kind of creativity that you get just by sitting around with people.
0: And what, what was the pop-up shop?
1: That It's because we've taken over this premises, it's actually three floors uh and so we've got space downstairs and the idea is that we're gonna once a month have a a uh, pop-up shop there or an exhibition so we had three businesses uh including uh tipsy philly gin uh, uh, appropriately for this evening uh you know and they did a roaring trade made they made the place look fantastic house plants very on vogue uh so that, that that was interesting so again we're flying in the Uh, the face of uh, current trends and that we were going into retail as well as everyone else is going out in the other direction
0: wow um now listen apparently it's been the coldest january in 10 years and so far february hasn't been much warmer so what better way to combat the winter chill and take your mind off lockdown than a glass or two of toffee vodka what i hear you say toffee vodka what on earth is that Well, joining me down the line from Newby Bridge to explain more is Judith Wren, who is the founder of multiple award-winning toffee vodka producer, Kin Vodka. Judith, welcome to the podcast.
2: Well, thank you very much, Nick. Very pleased to be here on this uh, chilly evening. Yes, you're
0: you're, (laughs) you're very welcome. Now, listen, um, I'm sure everybody who's listening to this podcast is intrigued. Vodka and tonic, fair enough, but vodka and toffee? Tell us how you came to create that particular combination and indeed a a very highly successful business on the back of it.
2: Well, um, it's that that simple thing of, I actually like to drink it. (laughs) <laughs> and I I'm, I'm am an avid yet not particularly competent skier and about I don't know, must be 15, 16 years ago in the French Alps I came in from a very sensible ski uh, for a very sensible apres and there was toffee vodka available so um, I had a shot of that, I thought hmm, quite like this and I'm a bit of a dabbler brought up with food, drink and all the rest of it uh, in rural Cumbria uh, brought up on a farm so uh, I do the thing of uh, came home, made my own version and gave it away to friends and family and uh, with balls on and all the rest of it for Christmas and birthdays and then uh, probably six or seven years after that um, when I've changed my life and moved on and gone in a different direction uh, and uh, I was working at Braithair Trust Children's Charity up at Ambleside and we were having a bit of a fundraising thing so I made a few sticky toffee puddings took my toffee vodka in and said give us some donations and see where we go with this I, I, basically, I couldn't keep up with it. And uh, it, it was just absolutely amazing. The response was phenomenal. So is, so, it, is it your recipe, Judith? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely it is, yes. Is top so top secret, classic. presumably. It's completely top secret. There's only me who knows it. And <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's that classic, you know, I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you, yeah. which will be quite... Quite okay because I'm married to a funeral director, so we'll uh, you know we've got it, we've got it covered. Don't worry.
0: It's well, business acumen <laughs> so, yeah, for you. It has to be absolutely, said. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah.
2: And I te- yeah, I tested it out in the children's charity. What could possibly go wrong? Um, so yeah, the response is great. And then I just did that thing of I honestly it, it gets thrown back at me frequently by my other half that I said, well, listen, if we if we just do this and I, if I can sell enough bottles to buy my season ski pass, I'll be really really happy. <laughs> So I now I get thrown back. Well, next time you have a good idea, will you please keep it to yourself?
0: And where do you, where do you actually make the uh, the vodka? And uh, well, up?
2: I have my licensed premises. I'm I'm very very lucky because uh, we're here at Newby Bridge. Um, I we've personally lived here for the last thirty blah, whatever years, and my husband's family's been here for since 1850 something, and we've got ramshackle uh, bits of buildings and sheds and what have you attached to the house, which uh, over the, certainly over the last uh, seven or eight years I've got my brush out and my paintbrush and my uh, plastering kit and we've, um, we've gradually moved into more and more premises. So we started with a, uh, a big mixing bowl, a, a jug and a funnel and um, it, then just after 12 months when it nearly killed us, uh, we, we did get somebody else to put it in the bottles and, and put corks in it. The Cumbria Business Podcast. It's the business in Cumbria.
0: Now, just to prove we're up to speed with all the latest trends, the Cumbria Business Podcast has a Twitter account. But I have to confess it's not a very good one, mainly because I keep forgetting to post things. Still, it's only been a month and 59 followers. Can't be wrong. Judith Kinvodka has a Twitter feed. It's got a Facebook page. And um, you're also on Instagram. So you clearly believe that it's important to have a, a comprehensive social media presence for your business?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's that thing of we started, we had a very static website uh, back in, in the early days, which is great. It was sort of like a ma- the magazine thing. And we did things uh, on a, um, an email basis, very, very low key. But you soon you soon realise, and, you, <clears throat> and I'm sort of mm-hmm. in my previous life, I've uh, I always did use Facebook uh, as a social tool, but then you realise that the more and more as the years have gone on, so many people are more online uh, with things, and it's in it's the way directly to people. You you're not going out. You can target. You can always, so you you're getting to people in every um, area of their life that whether they're having their breakfast or they're sitting relaxing in the evening. Do you, so, yeah, do you I, actually do
0: it yourself? Do you? Do you yes, I do. Right. Yes, I do. And I do.
2: I do think there's an honesty about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you know. <laughs> It can, it can. Uh, people have uh, automated suites of doing things. But I personally, I'm able to do it. I'm very, very comfortable doing it. And, um, I, you know, I've got it on my phone. And if I see think something, I think of something, that, you know, halfway through the morning, I think, oh, that'll be good. And I'll, you know, the other morning, I don't know, Saturday when it snowed. And so I dashed out and I'm taking my photographs. And boom, within 10 minutes, I've got snowy pictures of, of Kintoffy vodka lounging around, chilling in the snow. And it's, and it's linked onto, it's gone onto my Insta, which is, um, Linked to my Facebook, and then onto my Twitter. I then have a YouTube channel. and I've got Pinterest, and it, it it's it's tapping into different ter- terrible yeah the classic thing tapping into different demographic uh, groups of people. And it also it's I mean I'm not the expert. Nick Nick is more, probably going to be more the expert on this, but it it creates a different response. Um, I mean Facebook is quite static. It's informative and a bit chatty. Insta. Instagram has an immediate, we find an immediate effect on sales.
0: Is it not terribly time-consuming,
2: though? No, absolutely not. I mean, I'm sure you can make it time-consuming, but I do everything on my phone. uh, As I say, I've got some stock photos on my phone. I will take photos, like the videos. I'll do, you know... I just have to make sure that I've actually got some, especially in this day and age, cause it's got, you know, brush my hair and put some, like, got out my PJs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> to do, but you can, you know, my husband will hold the phone and we do a video. You've got to do a video in 10 or 15 minutes, edit it on your phone, and boom, you, get, you can have it out in an hour. In,
0: intro Nick specialises in, in social media campaigns. Um, let's say I'm the boss of a, say, a well-respected Cumbrian business. We've been making... I don't know, widgets for the last 50 years. <laughs> we, we've we've always had a half-page ad in the Cumberland News. We've always had a listing in in yellow pages. But I know nothing about social media. H- how would you explain the concept and the benefits of a social media campaign to, to someone like me?
1: Well, I think uh, Judith's done it very well there. And, you know, if uh, you want to come do a few shifts at Instagram, <laughs> uh, that'd oh, be great. I left, proper, uh, I left a
2: proper job years ago. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, but kind of... the best thing about social media is as judith was saying it's your kind of shop window that's kind of interactive with people in all the kind of different pockets of ways that they interact with you like the people on instagram who respond to like images and the lifestyle and uh, ready to make purchases to kind of linkedin which is a sort of you know more sort of business environment but still very effective in finding customers and things like that so it's just kind of i try to get it across to people as being like online networking basically Mm. um you know it's their chance to interact with people uh you know obviously you want to put some kind of structure in there so that you can sort of work out what impact you want to have on sales what your likely audience is all these kind of measurable things which is the other good thing about social media you can put out a post see how many people have clicked on it, how many people have shared on it. Uh, You can kind of drill that down and seeing who those people were, what time of day they did it, things like that. You could spend forever looking at the statistics, but basically what you're trying to do is find the most effective way to kind of interact and build that tribe around you who kind of believe in what you're doing. And once you've kind of got that, you find that people, uh, you put things out people interact with them.
0: Um, I, I suppose that uh, for a lot of businesses, the, the attraction of using social media as an advertising tool is that it's free. I mean, anybody can set up a Facebook page or a Twitter or an Instagram account. But Nick, I guess you would argue that there's a big difference between being free and being effective.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's free in the extent that you can put post things onto social media without having to necessarily pay for them. But... Um, still giving you time and how much is your time worth so if you take that into consideration it isn't free and your time might actually be the most valuable thing in your business so it's just trying to be uh, efficient with that Uh, and increasingly because Mark Zuckerberg and all the rest of them they control the dials uh, you might have to put money behind some of your social media campaigns in order to get them to audiences that uh, might bringing more sales or uh new customers and obviously uh social media is nothing without good imagery so you know you uh, Judith uh was saying you need to take pictures you need to do bits of video there's nothing wrong with doing that yourself uh but you know it's also one way to kind of be efficient with that is to kind of have that kind of bank of images and get somebody in to kind of create that kind of pool of uh, resources that you can use in your social media campaign going on for the year
0: Judith I mean you've you've kind of gone your own way about it but did you ever consider uh getting an agency involved or you know getting a budget together and spending a lot of money on Facebook posts and stuff uh, like that yeah no
2: don't get me wrong I haven't done all my um uh, design and uh, fo- photography. myself. What I what I did re- really early days. I was uh, very lucky to uh, link up with um, a guy called Mark Morrison, uh, and he's he's absolutely bob on with the the sort of <laughs> I call it I'm very derogatory uh, the pretty things, but the, not the design and the and the cutting edge quality. And you can it's like Nick said, you, you know, you've got to have that. You've got otherwise, you're not going to come across as professional. So I invested. Uh, my website is all all my photography on that is all professionally done uh, and that's that's where i want people to go so that's my shop that is my shop window yeah. but the that and i do have some stock photographs uh which i interdisperse in between the stuff that i do on an ad hoc basis so what i've got there is a mix of 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 you know people um, do i think I feel do spot the the professional stuff, which is great. It, it, it just backs up what you are. You're a qual- and we're a quality product, and we're looking. You know, you, we want to be taken seriously. However, m- me layering it in, in between and uh, on top of. the the fact that there is a personality there that we are the the brand has a personality it's not all about me but it's it's just adding to that that depth and volume so therefore i have i have had professional assistance with the um as i said the the photography and the actual uh, platform on which my website is built right from day one i would also say that in my Previous life when I had a proper job, um, I spent 30 years in financial services, and for the pff, most of it was in in sales, and but latterly in marketing, PR, yeah. <laughs> uh, rebranding. Uh, so I I came to my own business with a wealth of um, all right. Not everybody does everything well and properly, but you know, even if I can't do it. I know what, you know, if, if I can't do it myself, I know possibly what's meant to be done. So therefore, I will always seek out professional support uh, in a- all areas of the business because I think, you know, you can't be you can't all things to all people.
1: No. I, th- I, th- I think that's a good way of uh, looking at it is what we say to a lot of our clients is we're not here to take social media away from you. We no. want you to use it, add the passion, yeah. add the personality. We can work away in the background, bring some sort of consistency to it Mm -hmm. and uh, kind of build it into a bit of a kind of campaign that they can add their own personality into. Uh, You know, the last thing you want to do is to lock people out of their social media, you know, because it's the old adage of people do business with people, don't they?
0: This episode of the Cumbria Business Podcast is brought to you in association with Really Clever PR. Really Clever is a Cumbria-based marketing agency with more than 10 years' experience working with leading B2B clients, both locally, nationally and internationally. And now they've launched Really Clever Business, a new division dedicated to giving your company a sales and marketing edge in 2021. Let's face it, the pandemic has seen the demise of face-to-face sales meetings, which means future pitches to potential customers will be heavily dependent on first impressions from presentations and tenders. Trouble is, many sales presentations are produced in-house by hard-working sales and admin staff who don't have the expertise or, quite frankly, the time to do them justice. Really Clever Business specialises in producing professional sales presentations, PowerPoints, tenders and brochures, annual reports, prospectuses and digital sales assets. Their team provides expertly written copy and powerful sales collateral to help companies like yours make a real impact in the marketplace. So if you want your business to stand out from the crowd this year, do the smart thing and let really clever business add professionalism to your pitch. For more details or to arrange a free, no obligation consultation, go to the website reallycleverpr.com Or drop them a line. The email is info at reallycleverpr.com That's info at reallycleverpr.com Oh yeah. And tell them who sent you. Now, one impact of social media advertising has been the demise of traditional advertising in the form of newspaper ads. And for local newspapers in particular, this has been nigh on catastrophic because, well, advertising equals revenue. According to the Press Gazette, since 2005, no fewer than 265 local titles have gone to the wall, and those that are still going have had to cut their cloth accordingly just to survive. Nick, you and I arguably worked in the glory days of local newspapers, or at least the fag end of the glory days, but um, did, do you think that the industry was complacent, that it, it didn't see what was coming around the corner, that it was too slow to react?
1: Um, well, if you kind of think where we're at now, uh, it does seem a bit like the glory old days, doesn't it? Yeah. Com- Cumberland News had a circulation of nigh on 40,000 and all the rest of it, but... Uh, there's been so many changes within the market, not all of which were under the control of newspapers. So I don't think you can go back and think, "Well, I've only they done this or that." Things might have turned out differently. They were, you know, in the middle of like a perfect storm of Facebook, Craigslist, all the rest of it. The you know the ground is shifting under their feet, and you know, in a way, it's testament to the, the ones that have been able to survive and build a kind of digital audience. If you look at something like uh, the Westmoreland Gazette, I think I saw they were quoting that they have uh, a readership that goes to 100,000 now when you take in their uh, digital audience Mm. and I think there's still something of a a, a kudos and a recognition uh, of being in an actual newspaper, particularly if you're trying to reach certain parts of the market. I know from People that we feature, uh, they do say when I get in the Cumberland news or whatever, I do get people uh, texting me and saying, Oh, saw so you in the paper, and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So those days haven't entirely gone. It's just very much you've got to ride all your options and you've got to be in social media, be in the traditional media, have a cracking website, etc. And uh, you, c- you can't afford to on one strategy against the other anymore.
0: I mean, you were were digital strategy manager at CN. What what, what did that role entail?
1: It's all my fault. (laughs) 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 Some people probably say it would be. But we we were basically trying to uh, explore our way in uh, finding kind of digital revenues, uh, finding kind of projects, finding digital platforms, thinking differently. So the incumbent website that still kind of exists that was one of the projects that we launched and this sort of uh previous to that you didn't have a sort of digital gathering place for the sort of county wide sort of business community and that was all kind of linked into newsletters and uh, events and things like that so it's kind of basically developing a, a brand linked in with the website and uh, the magazine and uh, that Kind of stuff, but that so, suggests that
0: there were, you know that, 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 there was some awareness that you know we've got to do something about this, and and you yeah, you, were, you uh, were the guy who was told to, to go and do it.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, we're all uh, there were many people in the business who were trying kind of different ideas, but if you kind of unpicked the local newspaper uh business model, um, you know, what are the key components is jobs, yeah, uh, new homes, and motors. Uh, the other stuff is kind of, uh, you know, sitting around around the edge, and those three core things have completely kind of uh, shifted, haven't they? You yes, know, it's it's all right move and uh, the way people buy cars because they don't go around buying cars every every year, but you know it's kind of it is a completely
0: different experience. Uh, Judith, would you would you ever consider taking out a full page display ad in the local paper for Kin Vodka?
2: Uh, short answer, no. Why not? Why um, <laughs> not? Because uh, the, well, I mean, I know from a, from a, a consumer perspective, nobody picks up, um, certainly, a, a newspaper to buy some a consumer goods on a local basis now. I wouldn't dismiss, uh, you know, the the sort of Cumbria glossy magazines, you know, yeah. uh, uh, but, but, I mean, that it is so rare it might be once or twice. I mean, my actual print advertising, I probably do say six a year uh, and uh, four of those will be trade, and they will be linked to it, uh, uh, you know, uh, trade shows and a, a specific audience that you know where you know you, that you can met like i said you can measure your return on investment yeah. because it's as brutal as that because i mean paper advertising uh, and again I, I i was on the other side of it buying advertising And uh, paper advertising was uh, has always been quite expensive and um, obviously the running costs and, and producing of of, of newspapers and magazines is an expensive thing hence you know i think that's obviously contributed to the, uh, the you know the demise we know. talked
0: about nick um earlier on about the sort of the dark side and and the, the way that pr agencies work or used to work in as much as they would write a press release on behalf of their client send it in um to the to the newspaper and then it would kind of be up to the news desk really whether they used it or not i mean how are um, agencies like intro adapting to that sort of model being consigned to history because there are, there are various ways now that people can just get their message out they don't have to go they don't have to rely on news desks as such um i mean do you still write the old traditional press release
1: yeah we still do press releases we um uh what we try to do though is make the maximize the benefit from that effort so uh Yesterday we had a nice spread on page three of the News and Star for one of our clients, Ragmark Bell, Um, but we've also rewritten that story for them in a way that will sit well on their website and we've making sure it goes out in our community newsletters and we've done a little kind of social media mini-campaign around that content uh, just to make sure that we're getting all the ticking all the kind of boxes for it to get to that audience. And I still think, like, being in the paper, getting a prominent position uh, is still worth something.
0: And, and sponsored content is, is a sort of... Well, yeah. It's not a new thing, but it, it's increasing now, isn't it? And, uh, yeah. Can you, could you explain what that what that is?
1: Well, uh, I don't know which newspapers people will read, but, I you know, I read uh, The Guardian on a Saturday as my last sort of bit of bought media that I by just for my own personal consumption um and if i'm flicking through the magazine there uh i'll be reading an article and then i'll notice at the top it says paid content and it might be a fabulous feature about uh new technology gadgets or Mm holiday in finland or something like that but it is paid for uh, but just happens to be really great content, well-designed, et cetera, et cetera.
0: But at the same time, um, I suppose there's always the argument that you're never going to write anything bad about your client. Um, so in terms of, um, well, shall we be pompous and say objective news, uh, if I'm reading a, a newspaper and it's got promoted content, I know that it's kind of going to be very much one-sided. And the, the, you know, is, is that, does that worry you at all as, a, as, a, as an old newsman?
1: It would worry me if there was, it was, if it was all sponsored content or somebody was saying, can you report on the council uh, for sponsored content or something like that? Mm. Uh, But I think, you know, that's why we have journalists and, you know, now I'm on the dark side. (laughs) I'm serving uh, our clients and doing something that I think will be informative uh, for people. Uh, You know, it's, we're still dealing in truth and uh, in information, and I think journalists have got to do their job and ask difficult questions, um, and and not kind of chase the clickbait, and and not be afraid to upset people, whether they're advertisers or MPs or the local police force. So hopefully, those two things can kind of exist uh, together because we we really need journalism more than ever.
0: Mm um judith a uh, final question to you you uh, you go down to the news agent you, you pick up a copy of the the paper and you see that a meteorite is heading towards newby bridge you've got uh, for 24 hours to live <laughs> what would you drink to drown your sorrows and you're not allowed to say toffee vodka yeah <laughs>
2: Um, I would get uh, my hands on the best possible, I mean, this is a real cliche, this, the uh, the best bottle of champagne, probably the biggest bottle of champagne uh, I I possibly could and, um, yeah, grab some uh, oysters or um, some uh, more Bay shrimps (laughs) and that I would probably die quite a happy person, really. <laughs> you know, I, I live as a happy person, so I intend—I certainly intend to go out that way. And, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to sweat the small stuff. So what, a way to go. what a way to go. If it's coming, it's coming. But, you know, it's actually toffee, toffee vodka. All my new toffee apple vodka goes really well in
0: some <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> Sponsored content there, readers. Nick, here's one for you. Um, if there's a story that you wish you could have broken as a journalist, what would it be? And, and Watergate doesn't count for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I watched the uh, film the other other week yeah right? I did. it's one of my favourite films I think I watched that on uh, when I was a kid because yeah. it was uh, the days when you just watch what was ever on TV <laughs> even if you didn't understand it yeah, yeah. Um, what story would I like to have broken I, I have to admit you know when I was a journalist I liked causing kind of mischief and the kind of stories that had a kind of got reaction so I think it would have been a story to expose uh, uh, you know a bit of scandal or a bit of wrongdoing in the in the amongst the powers that be
0: (laughs) the bernstein of brampton (laughs) eh? (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, well that's fantastic you two nick turner judith wren thanks very much for your time
2: thank you thanks nick thank you
0: Yet again, two brilliant guests bringing this episode of the Cumbria Business Podcast to a close. And after four episodes, I can't help thinking I'm either struck lucky or the Cumbrian business community is just full of really interesting and engaging people. I think it's the latter, don't you? Anyway, all being well, I'll be back next week with more business chat. If you've enjoyed this one, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you fancy being on it yourself, here's how to do it. Send me a message on Twitter by following at CumbriaBizPod or drop me a line, the email address is CumbriaBusinessPod at gmail.com. But that's it for this week, I'm off to read the paper with a nice glass of toffee vodka. This has been a Paperfoot production, thanks for listening, see you next time.